Welcome to the Autism.Ohio. I'm Rob Gorski. Building on the success of my award-winning blog and podcast, The Autism Dad, this localized edition supports Ohio families on their autism parenting journeys. As a single dad of three amazing autistic kids, I've been a go-to resource for parents navigating neurodivergence across the globe since 2010. The Autism Dad Ohio connects you with essential resources, education, and support that will help you all throughout your journey. You'll also hear inspiring stories from families all across Ohio, just like yours, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Friday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode, I sat down and had a really fun and inspiring conversation with my friend Montoya Rogers. Uh, Montoya is an autism mom and she is based in Columbus, Ohio. She is here to share her story and her journey and the you know, some of the the trials and tribulations and the the triumphs and the victories, you know, all those things that are very relatable to many of us. And she's also here to talk about her nonprofit called Puzzle Mom. Puzzle Mom is devoted to empowering mothers of minority children diagnosed with autism. And it's desperately needed. And she's here to talk about uh, what she's doing in her life and, and all of that stuff. So thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Could you take a minute and just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe a little bit about your parenting journey? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. My name is Montoya Rogers. I um, am the founder of Puzzle Mom, a nonprofit organization that supports minority mothers that have children diagnosed with autism through education, um, community resources, and support. I'm teaching them advocacy skills. I am the parent of two children, Amaya, who is 18 years old, and Trey, who is 12 and uh, was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder in the first grade. How? And you're in Ohio. I am in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. That's awesome because you are the second Ohio parent <laughs> that I've been able to talk to. And it's so exciting for me to be able to do that because like, when you have these conversations, you can talk about things and you're like, oh, I've been there or I know where that is. <laughs> right. Right. And it's, it, it's, it's just kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's just a really cool experience for me. Not that talking to anybody else isn't, yeah. but this is just a, a unique thing. Yeah. Um, so when you're, and then I want to talk about, uh, puzzle moms, right. Yep. Uh, but what, what was, what was your journey like? with with your son did you did you start noticing something that maybe was concerning to you like how did how did that go was it pointed out to you or did you did you have concerns like what was that like for you yeah so I had some concerns um just because I had an older child and I had went through you know just different milestones with her that I felt Trey wasn't meeting um it wasn't it wasn't really like behavioral things that I noticed. I noticed more of like stimming. He would run back and forth or when it was time for him to talk, he wasn't uh, using his words. And there was some aggression that would come with that when um, he didn't feel like he can communicate or tell us his needs. Um, so it was it was a frustrating journey to get to like to the diagnosis or just understand what was going on with him. Um, I would go to his pediatrician and say, Hey, these are my concerns. My daughter was doing this at this age. And 
the communication I would get back was, well, you can't compare him to your daughter. He, um, he's a boy, you know, sometimes things happen or develop later, but as a mom, you kind of still just feel like, no, something is wrong. Um, so they initially had sent us, did a referral for speech therapy. Um, then they were like, Hey, his tonsils and adenoids are enlarged, or let's go to, um, see if he has allergies because he sounds very nasally or do, do a hearing test. So he passed these hearing tests. He passed these allergy tests. His tonsils and adenoids were enlarged. So we had those removed, but it still was, you know, something is, is wrong. Um, but again, I, I kept advocating, but the pushback was, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. As I'm listening to you kind of share that, it sort of echoes what I hear from a lot of other parents. And I think it can be very frustrating as a parent because like the reality is like, you know, your kid better than anybody else. Right. And you're going to people for help and they're telling you maybe, maybe not that you're wrong, but maybe like your radar is off a little bit or, you know, whatever. And that does nothing to help you feel better. Right. Right. Because you, you recognize that there's something there's something that's just not right. Yeah. And and you want and and understanding, diagnosing and addressing it is how you help your child to have um the best chances for success, right? right. So early intervention is uh really important. How old was your son? So I forgot to ask that. When he first got diagnosed, he was in the first grade. So he was six years old, six, about to be seven. Um, I think the frustrating part for me was it was just trying to really, I had this child, I had an older child who exceeded at everything she did. Right. So Mm -hmm. she never got her name on the board. She never got in trouble. Uh, She was just a self-starter. She just initially just did everything right when she was supposed to do it. And now I have this child. So it was adjusting my parenting and saying, hey, what what he needs may not be what I did for her. He needs something different. I had to tailor my parenting specifically to Trey's needs. And so I had to adjust in that space and advocating for him was different. So I had to like remove myself of I had to get out of my own self way. Okay. This is not about me. This is about what Trey needs. This is not about Amaya. This is, you know, what they, what their needs were at the time were totally separate. And that was an adjustment for me that I had to first recognize in order to go and effectively advocate for Trey. That's actually really profound. You, you're kind of the second, well, you are the second mom that I've talked to. And I've not heard this in the 20 years that I've been doing this. And you're the second person in like, three weeks to, to say this to me. It's, and, and, you know, correct me if I'm misunderstanding what you're saying, but you're basically saying that like, it wasn't so much, let me say it like this. A lot of times when our kids have a diagnosis or they need something different, we are working. I think we can sometimes get caught up in the trying to change our kid. Right. Right. But it sounds like what you were doing was not trying to change him. But you were, you were trying to change yourself in order to better meet his needs where he was. Absolutely. So instead of making him come to you, you needed to figure out how you could go to him. Absolutely. Is that and fair? It, that is absolutely 100% fair. And That's amazing. And because it was, 
and and this is my slogan all the time, um, I wouldn't do anything to change you, but I'll change the world for you. And I, I heard that um, right one day when I was riding in the car and it was on the radio. It's Holly Robinson Pete, I think. Yeah. And so she's a friend of mine. <laughs> so when I heard that, it resonated for me because it was like, no, I, I need people to understand his world. <laughs> so this is what this is. This is what I need to do by any means necessary. And I had no. I had no peers, no family members. I was unfamiliar with the autism diagnosis whatsoever. I had no experience with it. No one in my family had this diagnosis. No one of my friends or anyone that I had encountered. So it was a real, really, really new journey um, for me. Even leading up into the diagnosis, I, I did not think autism. I just, there's something wrong with my child and I need to get him uh, the, the support that he needs. One of the things that I, what I that I was thinking about when you were sharing your story was it sort of parallels to what my experience was, but in kind of a different way. You know, my, my oldest was the first one diagnosed, kind of obviously, I guess, since he's 23. Mm-hmm. But he was diagnosed in 2005 in the way that – and I hadn't even – I think I've heard of autism at that point, but it was like I've seen Rain Man. And so that was my frame of reference. I think it's like everybody's frame yeah. of reference back then. Yeah. But his behaviors were were kind of extreme, and he he was a different situation. Like he developed typically, and then around the age of four, he experienced massive regression, and then was never the same. Uh, so th- th- that's a whole different kind of process. But when my other two kids uh, came into the picture, it was, and there were you know we started seeing some things with them. We're like, well, there's no way it's autism. Because this is what autism is over here. You can't see it because the camera won't work, right? But I'm pointing to this side. (laughs) Like, this is what autism is. Like, Gavin is what autism is. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, if if left to my own devices, I would never have pursued a diagnosis for them because I because I was so it just it just didn't like make sense to me because this is what it was, and I didn't realize at the time that it's so profoundly different for every person. Yep. And so you have that same thing with neurotypical kids and, uh, you know, the neurodivergent siblings, because is there something going on? You know, you have the boy versus girl thing because they develop differently, right? Right. There's different milestones and whatever, but like, that's hard to navigate that. And, And then when you have, you go, you go places for help and well intentioned as the pediatricians are, cause they're amazing. I I love you all. Please don't <laughs> send me hate mail. <laughs> but it's frustrating. It is. And you it, know how did how did you how did you overcome that in order to to advocate for your son to get him the help that he needed? Well, one, like I said, I just had to step out of my own way and just keep pushing. When I think th- as parents, we know, and we're not going to, we're just not going to stop. Um, Trey started school and he started a half day kindergarten program and it was atrocious. It was like, that's when all of the behaviors really, really were on display because now he's in a space where he's overly stimulated. There's a lot of kids, there's lights, there's more structure than what's at home. My kids have mm-hmm. a six year uh, age difference. So Trey doesn't have to share anything. He doesn't have to be around a lot, you know? So he now is thrown in this environment. It's half day, so it's faster pace. And at this time, I still don't have the diagnosis. I don't know what best 
meets his needs. I just know that I'm getting phone calls every day and it's very frustrating. Um, it was, it was, it got so bad at the time I, I worked in healthcare, which I still do. Um, and like, there was no such thing as like work from home or these hybrid schedules or things mm-hmm. like that. And I'm like, Hey, I really need support in this space. Like, there's something going on with my son. And so my my very last option um, after exploring every other option was that I needed to be off of work to, to further investigate and support my child. So I took five months off of work FMLA with no pay to wow. really get to Trey having a diagnosis. Um and it was a financial burden. It, it was it was hard, but I knew that that's what I needed to do for my child. And looking back on it, I'm so glad that I did that. I literally wrote an email to all of leadership at my desk one day and said, I am done. And I walked out. I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. I didn't know anything. All I knew is that I needed to do what was best for my child at the time. Um, and so it, it was it was a difficult journey, but it was well worth it. He, he was initially diagnosed with ADHD. And um, unfortunately, I feel that in the African-American community, that is a diagnosis that is heavily given to children. Um, okay. So, and, and that's kind of just my perspective. Um, so I knew, okay, I, I struggled with that diagnosis. I even struggled with giving him medication. Um, I didn't initially give him medication. And then uh, a pediatrician was like, hey, you know, this is what he needs. And they were like, it was like trial and error with these medications. It just mm-hmm. did not fit right or feel right for me. One day I called the pediatrician's office and I said, I want the oldest doctor in your practice. Like I want the oldest doctor. So this doctor, she comes in, she's on a cane and she says, I'm the oldest <laughs> doctor. And we just laugh. We laugh. But I wanted, what I was looking for was just a seasoned. Old school. Yeah. A seasoned doctor. Yeah. And the way that she sat down with me and took her time to under, under or explain the ADHD diagnosis and what his brain, what was happening and why this medicine would be beneficial to him. I, I got it. And that, and that's what I needed to, I needed that information to better equip myself, to better support my son. Um, and when she took the time to do that, it was like, okay, let's do this. So it's rather than just being told what to do. Right. You, she took the time to explain to you sort of the mechanics and the hows and whys, kind of the behind the scenes stuff so that you felt uh, empowered to make the best decision for your son. Yep. I, I, I was diagnosed with ADHD a year ago, just over a year ago at 43. And I have two of my kids were diagnosed with ADHD years ago. And I didn't see, I didn't see it in myself until towards the end or, or, you know, last year, because I present very differently. Like I'm not hyperactive. Like my kids so impulsive. So my youngest especially is very, I I love him to death. Very hyperactive, very impulsive. Uh, if, if not on his medication, right. I mean, it, it, it it makes, it just corrects something that's incorrect in your brain. Um, I have, it's interesting to me and I, I would just love to know more if, if you're, um, okay. Talking about it, 
do you do you feel like ADHD is overdiagnosed in the African American community? I, I is it like a dumping ground diagnosis kind of thing? Like where they just throw medication? Is that kind of and and I feel like and it is when there's like a behavior that's presented, right? It's like okay. oh, this kid is is ADHD. Let's put him on medication um, instead of really like okay, let's look at the family as a whole. Is there are other things that we can do. Let's provide wraparound services. That's let's make sure that we, yeah. you know it, we're you know utilizing things that are tailored to that child's needs. There may just be things that are going on that we should look at or better support, and it may just. <laughs> You know, um, these may just be behaviors that a child is displaying because of their environment or just different things that they've been exposed to. Uh, there's so many other things and let's just throw them on medication. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, it was interesting that you, you mentioned that quote about, you know, I won't change my kid, but I'll change the world for my kid. Um, I didn't realize Holly, I didn't realize that was Holly's quote until yesterday actually when really? I saw it on on her feed and it had her name on the bottom and I've known her for like 10 years I didn't realize I've heard it all the time but I had no idea it was her that said that <laughs> and uh it's it's funny that you mentioned that and and I one of the things that she has taught me over the years is just how different things can be culturally as far as getting the diagnosis trying to navigate the same exact system yeah, and, and roadblocks and things that uh, can make things harder. Yeah. And I think, I feel like <laughs> this is hard enough it is. if everything goes right to have additional roadblocks put in place or, or to have additional roadblocks put in place or to feel like, um, you're not being taken seriously or we're just going to throw meds at something is no parent wants to hear that. You know, I mean, right. medications can be an amazing life changing thing, right? Yep. But they need to be used in the right way for the right reasons with the right person and even have the right doctor prescribing it because, you know, we, our doctors have always been very conservative with medications and my kids have been like my my oldest was on clozapine. Mm -hmm. Like we had to get uh and it's like one of the most tightly controlled medications in the US. It's banned in other places in the world. He has to have blood work or had to have blood work done before he can get every refill. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. But they they pushed for it and you know, it was a last resort and it was life-changing yeah. for him. Because it was the right reasons for the right person uh and and it was, it made a difference. Yeah. This, this doctor, she, she literally said, he's a tiny guy. We're not going to just give him a whole bunch. We're going to give him based off of his body weight. It's five milligrams of a generic form of Adderall. He is only to take it when he's in at school. Um, you know, so he, Trey does not take medication on the weekends. He doesn't take medication throughout the summer. He literally takes it for school. And, and you can tell the difference. If I forget to give him his medication, oh, yeah. the teacher will say, hey, Trey didn't have his meds today. It was fine. We worked through it. Um, but she said, if he is needing more than this, you need to tell them to call me because they need a different job. They should be able to handle this. But I, and I'm <laughs> so happy that. I said I advocated for a more seasoned doctor, someone that had experience that was patient. And I'm so sad she's retiring. Well, she just retired a few months ago, but 
I, I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> I know, right? It's so hard. Did you tell her that? <laughs> you can't quit. You can't quit. Not now, but but it's it's people like that that have come along throughout our journey that you know I really really feel like God placed certain people to come in at certain times through this yeah. journey to really give us what we needed and support us to push this push us along. So how how is he doing now? Trey is doing amazing. So um he went from being nonverbal honestly um to he just has some speech articulation things, right? Um Trey is a 6th grader uh at Gahanna Schools. He recently transferred to Gahanna Schools as I, I bought a house, so I was very anxious about this transition. Um, I was like, well, okay, what is this going to look like? All he's known is this one school district. And I've done a lot of work in that school district. And now we have to go to a new school. But this child has adjusted so well, and he has the proper supports in place to do so. And I think that's why um, Puzzle Mom is so important to me to be able to educate mothers uh, about you know, just the resources and and teach them effective advocacy skills to be able to go into the school and advocate for their child appropriately and and, and get those appropriate uh, supports in those IEPs to ensure their child's success. All right, so let's let's talk about puzzle moms because you and I have talked before, mm-hmm. and uh, and we'll talk again. Um, tell me all about puzzle moms because I, again. You're in Ohio, and this is something that's happening. I mean, I'm not in Columbus, but it's only like two hours away, and you're you're doing something in the local community yep. in Ohio. Yep. That's so cool. Could you just, just lay it all out there? Like, let's just talk <laughs> about what you're doing. Absolutely. So in navigating Trey's diagnosis, I, I tell people I found my purpose. Um, when I was mm-hmm. off of work for FMLA, I started an online clothing boutique. I said, hey, I just need to do something. But I wouldn't really talk about it. And I was just doing something. But this is really, Puzzle Mom is my purpose. Um, with navigating Trey's diagnosis or his IEP in the school, once he got the diagnosis, it was a challenge. It was a challenge to get him the supports he needed. And like I said, my daughter uh, she never even got her name on the board. So going into this room with all these people around the table telling you about your child was very intimidating. I did not feel prepared. I did not know what I was to say or how this process even worked. Um, and each time I, I would I would become more and more prepared. I would reach out to different people or Google things or just try to better equip myself because it was a frustrating experience walking away from that table and hearing, we need more data. We need more data. And it was like, I am the data. I'm his mother. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm telling you the data and what you need. Um, so it was it was a frustrating experience. And I remember the day that I walked out of that meeting and it felt like I won a Super Bowl game. I drove out of that parking lot and he, I, everything I came for in that tray needed, something as simple as having someone scribe for him, making sure that he had breaks, making sure that there was the preferred and non-preferred language, uh, the extended time, um, a paraprofessional. Oh my God, that was the most challenging thing to get. But having someone with him that can help him just navigate throughout the day. Um, I remember driving out of that parking lot and my victory was so short-lived. I started crying and I was like, 
God told me in that moment, how many other black and brown children in that class or in that school that don't have anyone to advocate for them the way that you just did for Trey. And I was like, God, this is already a journey for me. You want me to do this for other people? And I was like, I don't know that I can do this. Um, and I, one of the self-care tips that I have that I did in my journey is that I, I seek counseling. I needed mm-hmm. an, an outlet. I needed someone to help me to navigate these feelings and these emotions that I had. And um, in one of my counseling sessions, I told her about what I, what I heard on my heart. And she said, you know, every time we talk, the one thing that is so consistent that I hear you talk about and you're most proud about is advocating for your son. Um, So I remember getting off that session, that Zoom session, and this is during the pandemic. So we weren't able to interact. No face to face. It was just like this. Yep. So (laughs) I watched the Michelle Obama Becoming documentary. And it is, oh, I have not seen that. Oh my gosh. It inspired my soul. It inspired me. So it was like everything had aligned from that moment in that parking lot, that counseling session and watching that documentary. It came to me and it was like, this is what I need to do. This is my purpose. This is what I need to take. This was bigger than me and Trey. God put us in this situation so that we can reach back and help others through our own life experiences. And that's how Puzzle Mind was birthed. That is, uh, that is pretty amazing. I, I have, um, my, my journey was a little bit different in the sense that I never intended to help other people. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, it sounds like that sounds awful, right? But like, it's, it, it was, uh, I was a very private person. Like I didn't, I didn't talk to people about how I was feeling. I just sort of like, but that was part of my problem. I was keeping it all inside. I was really like when my son regressed, it was, I've raised him since he was a year old mm-hmm. and he and I were really close. Like as much as you can have like a, a one-year-old best friend, like <laughs> that was kind of like, we were just attached to the hip ever since the day that I met him. And when he regressed, it was like, it was like we lost him. You know, I I grieved the loss of a child that I still saw every day, but was so profoundly different than the one that I knew it was, I, 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 I struggled. Right. And so it was, you know, you should, my, my ex-wife at the time was like, you should start like writing in a journal, just like venting and walking away from it. And I don't, I didn't never did the paper and pencil or whatever. I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just, I'll do it online or I'll do like a digital journal or something. So I set up this WordPress site and dumped everything that I was thinking and feeling into these short, poorly written, not fit for human consumption (laughs) (laughs) blog posts. Right. And I assumed that because I had to log in to write it, that you had to log in to read it. I just wasn't going to share it with anybody. Right. So that's not how it worked. And people started reading it. And my first thought at the time was like, oh my God, like, I cannot believe people are reading this. My private thoughts. Oh my, well, I mean, it was like, it wasn't bad, but it's all the things that like you're feeling that you just like, don't ever want anybody else to know. But the reality is everybody else is thinking and feeling the same thing and they're experiencing it the same way that you are. Yeah. And so what I, what I found was that people needed that. Yep. They needed that validation, you know? And when, 
I started to connect the dots. It was helpful for me to write things down. So like I was drawn to the writing part of it because I could write about my day or I could write about something that was going on and then walk away from it and feel like I'm not burdened by it. You know, it doesn't get toxic or whatever. And then it became what, what I was going through. I was able to turn that into something that helped someone else's life become easier, you know? Wow. And it, and it strikes me as very similar to what you're doing. You know, it, it's as important as it is and it's worth it. Even if the only thing that you ever accomplished was helping uh, Trey to navigate life, that's worth it, right? right? All the struggle, all the heartache, all the pain, all the sacrifice, totally worth it. But to look at it as though there's something bigger is really kind of profound because it is because not only can you help your son, but you can use the experience that you've gained, the good, the bad, whatever. And you can allow other people access to that information and it helps them to avoid those same mistakes. It helps them to feel empowered when they go to those IEP meetings or when they feel like they don't know how to advocate because you're there to help them learn how to do it so they can avoid some of those heartaches and some of that challenge so that they can be that much farther ahead. And then it's just like this constant pay it forward because then those people are educated and then they can reach out to the next person. And, and it all started because you felt a calling and you wanted to do something that was bigger than just you. Yeah. And And that's amazing. It's a, I have goosebumps. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for creating a safe space for people to, you know, be expressive um, because sometimes some of us are going through this journey alone um, and and there's not people that can relate. You know, I, I remember people are like, oh, he just need a he needs a whooping. It was like, I don't want to just oh my whoop God. my kid, you know, like it, people are uninformed or they don't know because that's that's also a part of um puzzle mom is the awareness not just the awareness but the acceptance um this is this is my child this is who he is and we're in his world and (laughs) that's just how we're going to operate um but yeah it's i i'm i'm blessed and i know that i'm blessed and it says to whom much is given much is required um so this is my job this is my purpose this is what i i do um, and I'm so grateful to be able to, to do so every day. So, so how does it work? How do, how do parents connect with you? Mm-hmm. Do they find you or do you, are you able to, um, how, like, how, I guess, how does that, how does that work? So uh, typically people, um, are referred to me, um, through other people and <laughs> the word of mouth. Uh, there's a platform called Unite Us. So that's a referral system as well. People come to the really? website. Um, they can come to the website and, uh, subscribe or send a message. Uh, but it's always the, the people that I interact with the most are people that are like, Hey, someone told me about this and told me to reach out to you or, Hey, I have a friend that could really need that really needs your help. Are you able to assist them? Um, I will sit in IEP meetings with people, have them send me their IEP. We'll look over it. We'll even compare it to what like Trey has. Um, there's classes and things that I've taken, or I will just 
you know, refer them to other people that may be more equipped in those spaces uh, or just different stuff that someone may say, hey, we're just looking for activities to do. And it's like, well, me and Trey tried Taekwondo and they were really, really good with children that are on the spectrum and it taught them this discipline. So just sharing resources. I always say, especially in Columbus, Franklin County is resource rich and connection poor. There's t- I've been using that. <laughs> You told me that a couple of weeks ago. I keep using that with everybody I'm talking to about. It. I'm like, yeah, in Ohio, Ohio, yep. it's like we're resource rich but connection poor. Yep, and and it is. That's it's such a good quote. So many resources that are available that people just don't know about and are unable to be connected to. Uh, so, if any way I can be in, of assistance to be able to connect people to valuable resources to make this this journey uh, a lot smoother for them or or easy, I want to be that vessel. So cool. Um, okay, so my thought train just totally derailed. <laughs> that's okay. That's that. That's one of the things that I realized with. That's like the ADHD part for me. Mm-hmm. Is um, I got distracted because I write. I, I wrote down unite unite us, us mm-hmm. on the thing, and I just kept looking at it, <laughs> <laughs> and it just went off went off the rails. <laughs> um, oh God, what was I going to say? Something about, oh, 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 now I remember. The first Ohio mom that I talked to, uh, Nikki White, she has Raising Ramey is her platform. Um, very, very cool. Her son was diagnosed and they're kind of navigating that whole thing and whatever. But in our conversation, one of the things that she talked about that, that we had kind of talked about was, you know, you get the diagnosis, right? And it's like, here's a list of, therapy places. Right. And and that's sort of it. It's kind of a, you're here, B you're here. And then C you as you're walking out the door, there's no mention of building your village. There's no mention of emotional support or, because that's the biggest part really is that emotional hurdle that you, that you have to overcome when your kid is diagnosed, because in those first moments, those first moments, I, I think how it's handled during the diagnostic process when you receive the diagnosis and and how that that conversation ends how you walk away from that conversation can have such a dramatic impact on the rest of your journey yeah right so if you're set off if your journey starts by feeling like your world has ended or that your child has some kind of terminal diagnosis because you just don't understand or it wasn't explained well to you yeah um that's, I mean, that's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was like for me. I mean, I got that diagnosis with my youngest or my oldest and I had no idea. I felt like, oh my God, like what's going to happen? What does this mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Right. And, and so you panic and then you panic and then there's nobody to, to go to because you have no idea where to go. We didn't even get a list of (laughs) places to go. There were no resources back then. And and one of the biggest things that I see that you're doing is you're you're being a person in their life who has been there. Yep. And and you can't just find that. Yeah. Like that's not that's you cannot overstate how important that is for a parent in that moment to hear from someone who has been there that it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Here's what we do. 
Here's the next step. And that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create something that I needed in that moment. I had navigated this journey and how I went to uh, Franklin County Board of DD. I had went to, he had already, he was already in speech and occupational therapy. It was occupational therapy that made the referral to um, autism. So when they gave me this packet and said, here's your diagnosis, have a great day. It was like, deal with it. I remember that same day I sat in the floor with all of these pieces of paper that they gave me and I cried. And that was the last day that I cried. That was the day I got it all out, but I knew tomorrow it was back to business and we were we needed to deal with this. But for me, it was like, where are the resources or the village that these where is there grassroots organizations? Me specifically, where are the where are the resources that I could culturally connect with? I can reach out and touch, that I can go sit and do, you know, and interact with other moms or or parents that looked like me or understood certain things. Like Holly said, mm-hmm. there are cultural differences. Um, I, I I remember. Uh, an episode I watched of hers where she sat down with RJ to talk about him driving and what that looked like or when he was to be pulled over by the police. That's a real conversation, right? But it's also a real conversation driving when black and autistic, you know? So Mm -hmm. there were things where I felt like I needed this village. It was not there. So me being me, I'm going to create that. (laughs) I mean, honestly, that's, I, I remember when my oldest, and that, it was just this year, actually, uh, when he when he got approved, he got evaluated by the Board of DD in Stark County and uh, got approved for his waiver. I remember I was really struggling with the process because for 23 years, I have been his voice, mm-hmm. right? Like I was the person who managed all of his medical care. And now for the first time, he's it's like I have to let go. And I have to step back and he has to speak up for himself and answer questions and do all that kind of stuff. And so like, I, I remember asking the SSA at the time, I was like, is there like, is there like a support group for parents? <laughs> because like, this is a tough thing to yeah. do. And she's like, no, we don't know of any support group. She's like, do you want to start one? And I was like, I, I mean, I do really want to start one, <laughs> but I don't want to start. I don't want to run one. Yeah. Like I, I, I want to benefit from, and, and mm-hmm. there's been, not that there wouldn't be a benefit from it, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's, I want to show all up. Those par- <laughs> yeah. I want to, I want to, like, I need help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want my advice because <laughs> my advice is what got me here. Like I, I, I want to like learn from other people and I, I want someone who's been there who knows more about it than I do to tell me it's going to be okay. Like, this is how you let go. This is how you turn that page and you close this chapter and you start writing a new one. Like, yeah. I don't have that in my life. I've always been that person for everyone else. And I, and there's value in that. Yeah. But I sometimes would just like to have access to that myself. And, and, and what you're doing for parents is, it's just amazing. Thank you. And it's a huge bonus that it's in Ohio. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. They say, I'm always pouring into other people, but who pours into me, right? So yep. I think, I mean, I completely can relate to that. And you just, you, know. you get kind of a trickle, right? Yeah. Like when you help other people, like it does fill your cup, but it's, it's, it's not, I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's not, 
you get it. I get it. I absolutely get it. I don't know if anybody it. else does, but you get it. So that's, <laughs> well, in this say, moment, that's all that matters. <laughs> you're all the, you're always the strong friend. Let's check on the strong friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, so do you, who do you serve? Like, is it, is it local, just Franklin County or can anybody in Ohio reach out? Um, because like the IEP guidelines or it's federal law. I just had an IEP coach on. Um, and that actually would be a cool thing to connect you with mm-hmm. as far as like helping to support what you're doing too. Yeah. But how, how can, can like someone in Star County who's like, Hey, I really resonate with what you're saying. I need your help. Can they reach out to you or is it Abs- more localized? No, no, absolutely. Um, I think okay. what COVID has taught us is it doesn't matter wherever you are in the world, matter. you can connect with someone. So absolutely. Um, you know, because this was started during COVID and the pandemic, we got the value out of Zoom and and things like that. So it, it doesn't have to necessarily be anyone that's local, anyone that just needs their help. And they don't they don't necessarily have to be African-American and minority either. I mean, that is the target demographic of the group because that's culturally what I felt that I needed. But I've I've literally helped anyone that's just said, hey, Montoya, I need help, you know, so. That's so cool. And I, I like, I originally set out because I thought I'm going to help dads, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm a dad. They're going to be the only ones that, if anyone wants to listen to me, it's going to be dads. And like 78% of my audience is moms. Yeah. And so you, you can have, you can make a difference in the lives of people, no matter who you are, no matter who they are. Right. And it's so cool what you're doing. I'm so I told you this the last time we talked, like it's just such a cool thing. And I, I'm so grateful to have you in Ohio. I just love saying that. <laughs> oh, wait. And yeah. Right. And, and being able to, to, to just like, I can refer people to you Yeah. like, and say, Hey, you need, you need help. Here's an email address or here's a phone number. She, she can help, Yeah. you know? And, uh, that's so cool. So cool. And I think I think the bonus part of it, too, is that I've worked in healthcare, managed care specifically for over the past 10 years. And I work for an organization, uh, CareSource, that literally supports this and takes my real life experiences and, and has have me in conversations when they're talking about products, services and things and, and ways in which they uh they support individuals with special needs, uh, that complex health population. So I think it also gives me that that perspective or that edge too, because I'm in a community every day uh, through the work that I do at work. So I'm able to, you know, find additional resources or able to connect parents to those things as well. So um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed to be in a position that I am, but even more blessed to be able to um, impact individuals' lives that I can relate to. How can people connect? What's the best way for them to to reach out and connect with you? Yeah. So visit the website. Uh, it's www.puzzlemom.org. Uh, you'll be able to uh, submit an inquire inquiry there. Uh, you can, you know, it sends me an email. Um, there's contact information there. And then we're also on Instagram at puzzlemom1. Um, and that's also the handle for Facebook as well. So any of those outlets, okay. um, individual can reach out to me and I'll be more than happy to uh, connect with you. I'll have all of that information in the show notes and the blog post. And, 
on the uh, Special Needs Ohio website, there will be links for your profile and, and all that stuff so people can connect and find all the amazing things that you're doing. So um, is there anything else that you wanted to to say to parents out there who might be just at that point where <laughs> like they're so overwhelmed or they just got a new diagnosis and they just don't like, they just don't know what to do. And I, I think the one thing I, w- I wanted someone to say to me is that it's okay. It's okay. Like, like you said, to feel all of those different emotions filled them. Um, but just keep pushing one day at a time. It, it's literally this journey is something that every day may be different and that's okay. You embrace it. Um, but you you do the best that you can and and it's it it is okay and the best that you can is enough right right that's been a big theme in my life recently and with the people that i i try to help is they they have this habit of not feeling like enough yeah and the best you can do is the best you can do yeah it is what it is uh thank you very much thank you i really appreciate it um oh wait i got to stop the recording <laughs> Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So, Uh, Thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.